Hello, and welcome to Regrets I've Had a Few. I'm Paul Hunter, Artistic Director of Told by an Idiot, and this is a podcast where I talk to friends and colleagues delving into what made them the person they are today. Hello, and welcome. My guest this month is one of Britain's most charismatic performers. Her work crosses genres and takes inspiration from theatre, performance, art, comedy and dance. Her award-winning debut show, Triple Fret, established her as one of the UK's most standout new voices in experimental performance. And alongside her own creations, she's now recognised for work she's making and creating with other people, including playing the part of Cathy in Emma Rice's National Theatre production of Wuthering Heights and Titus Andronicus at the Globe Theatre. It is also my great pleasure to say that I'm currently rehearsing with her at the RSC in Charlie Joslin's wonderful new play, Cowboys, and I haven't spoken to her for a, about seven and a half minutes. So welcome, Lucy McCormick. Hey, uh. Thank you so much, Lucy. I was very excited that you were going to be in the cast when I saw your name on that list of performers. Um, and we might touch a little bit on what we're trying to do at the moment in the kind of strange world of Stratford-upon-Avon. But no, it's brilliant. It's brilliant to have you with us. And as well as touching, as I said, on lots of your work, I'd like to start by taking you back to the beginning, if I may. I know, I think you said that you moved around as a child. Is that right? When you were younger, you were living in different places or? Yeah, I, um, I was born in Newcastle and then we moved to Aberdeen for a bit. And then we moved to Derbyshire where I kind of considered myself from, but I mostly had sort of like my teenage years there. But I'm, we did a couple of moves there. So I ended up going to like five different schools. Why not? Okay. <laughs> this might be interesting then, because I often ask this of my guests, is could you remember a very early kind of theatre experience, whether that was you performing in a school play or, or seeing something? Did your parents take you to the theatre or was it a family thing that happened or not really? I remember that my mum said she took us to... Matilda, which obviously is quite a famous West End show now, but obviously not that. Some something probably would have been in Newcastle. I remember her saying that when there's a child that gets picked up by their pigtails, and I just screamed and screamed, and we had to leave <laughs> because I would, I just, I absolutely refused to watch it. Uh, but I don't really remember that. But um, yes, I we we did a trip to London, yep. and um, we'd already done a trip to London. My mum had taken me to see Cat. Okay. We must have done another one a couple of years later, and she said, "You know, I'll take you to a musical. What you want to see?" And I just said, "I want to see Cats again." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah just stuck with my new. What was it about Cats in particular that that struck you? Oh my gosh, I just thought it was the classiest, most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. Do you know that's it's it's really <laughs> interesting. My 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 partner is a huge fan of Cats as well. It was quite a formative thing for her, so I I can. I can uh, connect with you over that. Also, I'm quite interested in the, in the performance of Matilda that you you don't quite remember. That you were showing some early signs of your disruption in in the theatre building by screaming, screaming, and wanting to get out. Early signs of cowardice. Yeah. And what about your own early performance? Were you in school plays? Or... Yeah, um, pretty much. I, I mean, I remember my mum saying to me as well that I never was like massively a joiner in her and she was always trying to you know they're always trying to sort of fob you off and say do this do that because they don't want to look after you so she was always trying to send me to clubs and I absolutely hated clubs 
And then she did say that she couldn't believe it when one day, and I think I was maybe 11 or 12, I said, oh, there's this, you know, drama club and I want to go. Um, and yeah, from that, from like secondary school age, I was always in like the school musicals and stuff. And that was, to be honest, the height of my fame. And it's really all been downhill since I started in the musical <laughs> in the Derbyshire Dale. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second, although the, the idea of you in Honk the Musical <laughs> something that does, does appeal. So you said your mom was surprised when you suddenly declared, oh, I'd like to join this club. Because <laughs> you said you you quite you felt sometimes you, you weren't a great joiner-inner or whatever. No. What was it about performance that suddenly made you go, oh, I, I quite like the idea of getting up and being somebody else or trying to do something like that? I don't know. I think it's hard to articulate that, isn't it? But it ju it's weird. You just kind of, um, it's just an instinct. And I definitely wasn't very good. And I haven't been very good, like, uh, you know, most of the time. And <laughs> Like, it's not, it's not like it was like, oh, you know, you have this, but I just really wanted to do it. And eventually I went to Derby Youth Theatre ah. and, you know, I, um, yes, the great Pete Meekin used to run Derby Youth Theatre. Um, and I don't know, I just really wanted to do it, but I don't, I really don't think I was particularly good, but um, I don't know. I just, um, I wanted to be <laughs> good and I just, I think it's cheesy, isn't it? It's like. I wanted to like sing, you know, sing songs and do your dance routines and. Um... But also, I, I mean, obviously, I, hearing certainly seeing you dance in rehearsal and hearing you sing in rehearsals, you strike me as being very, very good at both of those disciplines. Or, uh, uh, and I, I have to say, but um, so did you did you do drama at school then as a teenager? Was it something that you did as a as a lesson or not really? Yeah, we did drama. Cool. Okay. And so you're doing that. You joined Derby Youth Theatre. So you that, that's obviously something you're really into. At what point did you kind of go, I want to pursue this. I want to give this a go. You know, I'm I'm thinking about this more seriously. Basically from then, from like 11, I was like, right, that's it. I'm wow, really? Yeah. I was like, I'm going to be an actor. That's it. That's very determined. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's. Um, quite fun, isn't it? It's not like a real job. <laughs> my my mum was my mum was constantly asking me if I wanted to do teacher training until about two years ago when she finally started. Can I say that is, that is something we share, Lucy? When I uh, I don't know about your background. I haven't asked you. Do you have any show business in your background? It's all in your family, or are you the only one? No, no. Yeah, I was similar. I think I've said this before. Listeners will remember this, but my dad was an electrician. My mum was a dinner lady. Uh -huh. And a bit, a bit like you, I well, no, I, I, I really liked sport. That's not true. I liked being in sports teams. I really enjoyed that, and, and I never really thought about drama. But eventually, when I did a school play I, about fifteen, I thought I really liked it, and then I kept it to myself because it wasn't the kind of thing in where I went to school in Birmingham that people admitted to want to do. And then eventually, I came clean with it to my parents and my elder sister, and they said the same thing: "You're really good at English. Why don't you go to university?" And you could teach English and then do plays. Yeah. And I said, I don't want to do that. And then my sister said, but if you do that, you'll have something to fall back on. And I vividly remember saying, I don't think I knew this. It was more of an emotional response. And I, I kind of shouted, if I have something to fall back on, I will fall back on it. Uh. Which in, in a way, I look back on that and I thought that's, yeah. I'm quite impressed with my younger self for saying that. No. Oh my God, definitely. Yeah. 
It is quite an all or nothing thing, isn't it? Well, I suppose in a sense, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't stupid, well, I was stupid, but I, I kind of realised I couldn't carry on forever if it wasn't working. But but I suppose your drive from an early age, <laughs> what did you, did you start to think about drama school? Did you have a teacher who advised or helped? How did the train, because you went to East 15, didn't you? Yeah. So how did that come about? Well, I auditioned to all the fancy schools and I didn't get in, so I went there. Same here. I've had quite a few, quite a few guests who have come up with that answer. Yeah. I mean, come on. If I'd have got in Harada, then obviously I would have gone. <laughs> so did you go somewhat reluctantly to East or did you think it's a drama school, I want to go? Yeah, no, I didn't go reluctantly. I just, I mean, I was aware it wasn't like, yeah. Or maybe I wasn't as aware, to be honest. I just kind of thought like, it's in London, although I didn't really realise it isn't sort of quite in London. It's quite far out. Um, and I knew that like Alison Stedman had gone there. Yeah. And now I'm really pleased that I went there. Um, I mean, I think all these courses, a little bit you make of them what you will sort of think. I'm sure they've all got pros and cons and stuff. But, um, you know, it's quite like, I think... Um, I was going to say experimental. I don't think it is experimental these days. It's actually quite a standard drama training, but I think there's still a sense of like quite, they're quite into like improvisation and play and, you know, all that. Yeah, very, for sure. Yeah. And what course, what course did you do? I did the the, the three-year acting course. Oh, okay. Right. Um, yeah, the kind of traditional actor training course because I know they've got like a very well respected sort of contemporary theatre course as well yes um no no I never wanted to do that I would just absolutely was just yeah I just wanted to act I didn't think for a second I'd end up making my own work or anything oh uh, well that's that that's interesting because that's going to bring me obviously to to those questions I'm, I'm fascinated about but that's interesting you were clearly still hoping for a part in a revival of Cats at some point then when you oh, yeah. went down to oh, a yeah. East... <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's interesting because you mentioned the contemporary, uh, whatever the course is called, there, and no, no, no. told by Lydia, we've worked with quite a few sort of younger performers that are brilliant who have come off that course in terms of their, you know, their their instinct and their skills and the things they can do. It's it's very a very interesting place in a sense. And when I've taught there a bit as well, yeah. So you go you go wanting to be an actor, yeah. So how does the journey into suddenly going, I want to make my own work, how does that How does that happen? <laughs> well, I started like in an extracurricular way, um, just playing around with some ideas and, and stuff with two other people. Um, and we formed a company. And this was all like, yeah, outside of my drama school training. And I still definitely wanted to like get the agent and get all the acting jobs and stuff. But we made this show and we started doing it in like fringe theatres, like pub theatres really. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, eventually it must have gained a bit of, yeah, interest, um, especially on the more experimental scene. And we got into... Um, a festival called Spill Festival. You probably know it. Yes. I'm not sure if it's still going, Spill. It might be. Um, did, spill, did Spill happen in Birmingham? No. Spill used to happen in London, and then and then it was between London and Ipswich. It might still be going. Um, 
and they did a kind of at the time anyway a program of kind of emerging work and they would invite a lot of international programmers and stuff so our show our first show got into that and then we got quite a few international gigs from that and did a lot of kind of touring around Europe uh, and what was what was the show called? The show was called External. You you were still training at the time, or you'd left East Fifteen by the time of this. I think I was just I just left. Yeah, we were kind of playing around with the idea of it, and then the year that I left, I think yeah, all that really took off. And I mean, this will bring me, you know, closer to your process, I suppose, as you've got on making your work. That show, that uh, first show that you made with two of us, you say two of us? Yeah. How did you create that? Was that through improvising? Was it a script? Was it a combination yeah. of things? How did you? Uh, no, not a script. It was it was improvisation, devising really, but like very long form improvisation, which is quite different to my process now. Um, but it would be because it was more of a company, you know, and we would spend just hours just. Um, yeah, just just exploring ideas and and devising and trying stuff out and filming all the improvisations and going through it and picking bits that we liked, bits we didn't like, and I suppose making a script, a little bit of a script out of that. Um, yeah, whereas yeah, my process now is quite different to that, and obviously I kind of make work under my own name now, and sometimes I work with other people, but it really it's not quite such a I don't really do a lot of improvisation. I mean, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun now, but... Um, no, this is interesting. Carry on, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my work now... You know what? What it feels to me now is that um, having the idea is the, a really, the really important thing. Um, obviously, we do chat about it in the room. Yeah. Or I'll talk to my outside eye, Ursula, and discuss things with her. But But basically... I'm trying to have good ideas and then I do them. <laughs> and then that's all that's around, very in depth. But I, I'm just trying to be really honest with you. No, that's brilliant. That's really, really cool way of, going, of describing what you're trying to do. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I feel like I've tried to talk about, you know, my work before and I've tried to come up with like a kind of in-depth, intelligent way of like saying that, but how it feels to me is that a lot of the work is done like inside my head and like trying to think about, and what that's about is trying to find the right holding form for something or basically the right um, sort of pun quite often is like, what is the joke? And then it's about yeah. doing it. <laughs> and obviously there is that you have to do a bit of work finding out how to put that together. But um, I do a, a lot of my work is like, sitting on the tube, listening to music or, you know, randomly thinking about stuff when I'm walking around. Yeah. Um, it's much less about going, I need four weeks rehearsal space to improvise around the theme of yeah. X, Y, Z. It just, it really isn't that. Well, it is interesting hearing you and very entertainingly hearing you talk about your process. And obviously we share a friendship with Ursula, the brilliant Ursula Martinez, who was my outside eye on an idiot show last year and she's fantastic. Um, but where I feel a connection, I'm sure our work is very different in many ways, but where I feel a connection when you, is people often think we have a very particular style of how we do something. And I'm often, 
I often hear myself like they're talking to students, whatever, and saying so much of what we do arrives by mistake or by accident or by chance. That's not to say we don't plan things, but I think some of our best ideas come when we're responding or, or we're open and responsive to what is happening. You sort of mean rather than going, this is all very considered and then we know this will happen and then that will happen. And yeah. It's interesting when I've been reading, obviously, a lot about uh, your work as well in preparation to chat to you as well. And it's interesting when you say you talk so simply about it and then it, I just want to read something back to you if you don't mind. It's not from a review or anything. Oh, God. No, it's not from a review. I won't like that. I know you won't, but I'm just interested <laughs> in the, this is what someone else might say. The way she plays with power and authenticity is part of what makes us so addictive. And I thought that was a really interesting someone talking about your how they see your work. And I suppose your persona, your the version of yourself. You you say you you your shows are have your name, your name, but to what what is that version of yourself, I suppose I'm trying to get at? What is that version of you in, in on stage that you're playing with? Yeah. Um this is also like a question that I've I've played around with various answers to this question. So I'm just trying to pick in my head which one I'll say today. That's but all right. I, I, but well, no, but I think also like maybe I'm like refining my answer, which is that the persona is a question itself in the work always. And there are like different levels of, um, again, it feels to, I don't know how it comes across, but it feels to me as if there are like these different layers of the persona and, and at any time during the show, I might be on like level 10 or I might be on level one. And sometimes when I'm performing, I feel very, very close to myself. Like I'm literally just like this, like talking now as me at times in the shows. And then five, five minutes later, five seconds later, I might feel like I'm really doing a kind of um, almost like a caricature of myself or like um, an extreme version or like an awful version or a brilliant version of myself and the shows feel like a kind of attempt almost to kind of find out who I am or find out who you know the audience wants me to be or you know so I, I just think that that is just it's something that is explored it's not a concrete thing in itself so yeah that's how I feel about that I think right now today <laughs> well that's yeah this is I, I this is a, a... A quote that I, I think you you said at some point. I'm not holding you to it, but I was also interested in this. This isn't someone. This is attributed to you anyway, Lucy. Which where you said my shows are a way to test out a braver version of myself. Hmm. Yeah, Do, oh, is that think, something you kind of? Yeah, but I think that's fair enough, don't you? Well, I sure. Mean, I think anyone that's performed, um, you know, if only in life we got to rehearse what we were going to say and then say it. I mean, come on. That does help. <laughs> so it's like, you know, I think I also, like like vulnerability is also really important to me when I'm making work. But I think that some people do ask me about being brave sometimes because my work can have these like quite extreme moments. And uh, just, just that really, that I think, I feel like in a way, any performance is a bit of a performance of being brave. But I think that especially for me, because... I don't know. Yeah, because I do play with persona. I feel like I can do a lot of stuff on stage that like, I mean, I have my moments in real life, don't get me wrong. But most of the time I just let things slide because it's easier. <laughs> <That's not laughs> 
But that's not an easy life. But so I suppose I'm also being in a rehearsal room with you, which I'm really enjoying. And we don't have, it's a quite a big ensemble show, isn't it? There's lots, there's lots of times when there's lots of us on stage. <laughs> and I, I don't want to give too much away about this, I, I think, rather wonderful script that we're doing. Yeah. And the impact that a, a character has on <laughs> kind of the community, in a sense, which I find is interesting. Yeah. But what I feel when I look at you, which is maybe something that connects to me, is it feels like you have a lot of pleasure. Really? I, I don't know if you'd use that word. It's a word that we use a lot. Yeah. Having pleasure as a performer feels really important to me. That it's a really important thing to to try to to, to nurture. That's really. And when yeah. I look at you, I I feel that there's a lot of pleasure there. I, I mean, that's my maybe my interpretation of. Well, I really like that, and it's not a word that I usually use, but I probably will now because <laughs> I think that I think that's a good word. I think I sometimes about desire. Yeah. But that I start. From um oh there's a performer and academic called Lois Weaver. Yeah. Do you know her? No, I don't. She I was at some talk that she was doing. She was talking about put something quite simply about what do you desire to do on stage. Um, so that feels close to pleasure in a way. But um, I mean, what's the point if you don't enjoy it? You know, it's good to exactly. And I think that's and also I think somewhere wrapped up in that is for me is enjoying not having any kind of vanity or enjoying the sense of i don't really if we're in, if i'm in the situation I, and it feels authentic and genuine then it's I, and obviously that's something i think of when i think about your work yeah there's a, a, in a really brilliant way there's a real lack of vanity about about and i don't mean any specific extremes of behavior i just mean because for me performing uh is always the tension between caring and not caring at the same time yeah and i think the more that performers play with that tension the more brilliant it can be mm. love that you said that yeah i think it's a brilliant thing to like to try and get rid of your own vanity well obviously anytime but when you're performing <laughs> because, because, <laughs> i mean i definitely can't do it outside of performing but um no but our jobs are um are is actually about being looked at yeah so, yeah. you know, you can, that can instill a certain kind of vanity, but actually you have, yeah, you have to sort of, um, don't know, it's also about like certain kind of generosity or something. Um, yes, yeah, no, I see what you mean. And also with an audience as well. And I think that's, that 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 is something audiences really love, I think, when they feel that yeah. and when they feel a certain type of authenticity as well. I think that's something that an audience really connects with. I see a lot. Of, I, I, it's, it's brilliant talking about your process, but I feel it's time to go to our item that we have each month, which is Ask an Idiot. Hello, my name is Anna, and my question is, which one of the shows that you've written means the most to you and why? Well, that's like choosing a child, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to choose a child. I mean, that, yeah. Um, I think the obvious answer to that is um my first show yeah triple threat because there's nothing like first show <laughs> you know what i mean um and i think your first show can be almost like a sort of mission statement or it's like you really like and when you don't have anything to go off Ooh. and nobody knows who you are like you just feel like you have to pour everything into it and there's um, a freedom in that as well isn't there because People answer, they don't know what to expect. They don't know who you are. Yeah. I remember this with our first show. Yeah. The thrill of actually get, the, for me, the thrill of it actually get, being able to do it was enough. 
one just getting it to Edinburgh. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Being allowed on the stage. Exactly. But I think for us, the key, I remember saying this to Hayley, who I also know you performed with, so the more links there. But I remember Hayley and I, I saying, in a way, of course, we want this to be successful on the verge of exploding you know, all those years ago. But I remember also thinking, but whatever happens, no one's ever done this. No, we haven't taken a play off a shelf. It's not a version of a Shakespeare. We have made this up and I've put it on. And, and that first time of doing it, I can really relate to what you say. That first time of going, I did this yeah. or we did this. But then, like, I think you develop, it's also really exciting to then, like, develop where your thinking is at and what you want yeah. to make next. And, like, you know, I actually think my my other shows are probably better than that show um but it just had a very it, there was a very special moment with that show weirdly i'm about to do that again for the first time in a few years wow just randomly so that'll be really interesting to like revisit the first one yeah and where um, will you do that when will that be well the tickets just went on sale today um it's sold out actually but um that's it. <laughs> it, it on the yeah, I'm, but I, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there'll be some more or something. I'm not sure. But it's on That's the 8th cool. of November. Oh, it's in a tiny little venue as well um, in London as part of this festival called Croydonite. But yeah, it'll just be interesting to revisit it. Yeah, I don't know if that means the most to me, that show. Um, it's it's the real moment that when you have this moment to like prove yourself or say something for yourself and... um nobody gives a shit yeah. whereas and when I made my second show I did feel you know this massive pressure of like basically I didn't really believe that I could make I thought that it was um like a fluke like I thought it was like oh I made that and it went really well but it was almost like a mistake so the second one was was well they were all hard to make but um does that become a, a recurring pattern that each time you you go back to the rehearsal room you feel I, I can't do it again it's I, it was a fluke last time. Well, at the risk of sounding um, something <laughs> overly confident, no, it, it hasn't. I actually feel pretty confident now with, and I think it's because um, with the kind of work that I make, which, I mean, you you mentioned it's kind of inspired by lots of different forms. It's sort of part theatre, part comedy, part performance art, part cabaret. And in, in like cabaret, for example, you know, you have really clear tropes. It's not as if you go to see like a cabaret person or an artist or something and think like, oh, what are they going to do this time? <laughs> like you have a sense. <laughs> like, you, you are kind of going to see them to experience what you know of them. And I think people know it's not going to be, it's going to be, well, it's going to be me for a start. So it's like, it's going to be a certain thing which I have developed and I absolutely, the more I do it, you know, I'm comfortable with it. I know what my starting points are. I know I know some of the things that I'm going to work with that I'm going to do and even I'm going to say like little bits that I say, I'll say them in every show because they're like, it's your shtick. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't, so what I'm trying to say is I actually don't feel like that, which is pretty cool to like, yeah, no, that is a... And also it's partly because my process is also about and where I really feel like my work kind of lived in a way is not in these 
is not in the hour long shows that I make and basically like put on to create further visibility and get money and create opportunities for myself. But I do a lot of like bits and pieces, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. Um, and that be might be more on the cabaret side or more in a comedy or a performance like environment, but it's 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 testing stuff out. Um and or, or more than that, making the work, I don't know, for that night and it speaks for itself. And then you so I'm sort of like constantly doing it and developing it so that when I come to a show, it's not like it's not so much like starting from scratch. It's more like oh, what is this like collection of ideas that I've been looking at over the past year or couple of years? Um, and yeah, that's pretty nice to be honest at this stage because it's very different to when I was first working and just being like, ah, who am I and what do I want to say? And that that's a really, again, a really interesting way of you and in, in kind of illuminating what it is you do because it feels like you're also trying things a lot but you also sounds like you're trying things a lot in front of an audience. And I, I really like that. And it's in our own way, it's something that we're very, we often talk about, there's no reason to do anything ultimately if there is no audience. Pointless. Um, yeah. So I think that sense of trying to consistently try it in, in a live environment with people watching, however rough it might appear or however no. um I, I i think there's a lot of merit in that and we discover huge amounts i think when we're making something and yeah we're, i think uh, that's kind of i think what i was trying to say when i said like it's pretty much like have an idea and do it <laughs> <laughs> i feel we brilliantly full circle but i do have a couple of questions which maybe touch on the uh title of our podcast regrets do you have any regrets that you haven't been able to go down and be in something like Cats, a big musical like that. Is that something you would still like to do or is that now confined to your childhood dreams? Uh, well, um... <laughs> you never know who's listening as well, Lucy. You never yeah. know. So, well, uh, actually, yeah. <laughs> I have just had an audition for a West End musical. You pro can you speak about it or is it under wrap? No, but it was just an audition. I mean, I think I almost definitely didn't get it. But, um, I, I, well, I don't really, musicals are not like my, that's not, it's not, I'm open to it, but it's not what I'm looking at, if you see what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I love acting and that's been something that, you know, like, when I was doing a lot of making shows and, and stuff, I think I did fall out of lo love with acting for a bit because it's easy to fall out of love with acting or at least it's easy to fall out of love with the industry because, well, especially when nobody wants to give you a job. Um, but then I kind of like, I don't know, found it again. And um, I think like a lot of my friends that work more in performance art probably think acting is like, really uncool and that's fine because it kind of is but I love it I think it's magical and yeah I love you know the process of it so what am I trying to say like in a way I do have regrets about I mean I really would like to do more acting and keep getting these big fancy acting jobs but you know you just don't that's not really my call, is it? And that's what's so true. No, no. However, I do think, and you know, I mentioned Emma, we've both worked with Emma, and now this show and, and Titus Andronic. It sounds like you're doing some really interesting 
performative work outside of your own work. I, I wonder, you know, people often ask me, how do I balance running a company and then, you know, being an actor like a gun for hire, pardon the pun without cowboy show. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to know the answer to that. Oh, okay. Um, I was going to ask you that question. How do you do? Okay, I'll answer first and then you, you say how you find that. Okay. Um, I think I balance it partly because we have a brilliant small team at Told by an Idiot. Told by an Idiot is not just me. Um, that, you know, we're, there are three brilliant producers that work yeah. with me to, to make the work, to have the ideas, to do all of those things. And I think I'm very lucky that in some ways that gives me more freedom. Um, I think the what I I'm, I'm not certainly not brilliant at it. If you asked my family, they'd say I was terrible at it. But I think I've got better over the years at using my time. So when I'm, you know, uh, working on as a show as an actor, then I prioritise the time around that really specifically to to keep the momentum, which I have to do. Um, you know, the, we, the company can't go on hold while yeah. I go off and do some acting in so finding that kind of combination of people that i really like working with and and we and we have a yeah a click and then also also just personal things i mean you mentioned ursula who's clearly a big collaborator i, mean, I presume you'll continue to collaborate i mean she spoke yeah. so highly and warmly of you um and i think sometimes what i feel really helps me is just half hour hour long phone call with Haley, like the other day in stratford i didn't think i'd get her but she was filming and then she picked up and we joked and laughed for her and she said, oh, tell me so I'm going to come out. And, and I think, and I'm not necessarily talking about work, but touching base with someone who knows me so well, it goes right back to the beginning when we were kids really yeah. trying to put the show on. Oh, I find that brilliant. Really, I find that very, that very refreshing. What about you? How do you, because you're balancing it as well. You're, you know I mean? You're, you say you've got your show coming back. You're going to be. How can you do it on the eight? Is that one of our night samples? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. How do you? How do you? I've just booked in like so much stuff on all my days off. <laughs> oh God, I'm going to like definitely going to regret it. Well, there you go. That's the same thing. Your your time. You, it's not like you put the whole of that on hold, do you? While you come and do an act in a play. No, no. You want to invest in it, and yeah, it is like you say. I suppose it is just a balancing act. But I don't feel. I mean, I don't know if you do either, but you seem quite sorted with it. But I just feel more like, how am I supposed to do this? And, um, you know, it's stressful. It basically just feels quite stressful. Um, I, I I know what you mean. I think it can't, not saying it can't be. I think one thing that I really, really try to say to myself is that when I turn up in that RSC rehearsal room, I don't carry and shouldn't carry enormous responsibility. My responsibility as a performer mm. is to turn up on time, mm -hmm. to be open, and to know my lines because mm. there are there's some script. And sometimes I think that's overrated. <laughs> when I direct, I feel more responsibility, obviously, because I'm having to initiate ideas or or, 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 or or set up things in the room and to allow them. But as a performer, I don't think we we should be responsible. We just shouldn't carry great responsibility. I think it. Yeah. So sometimes I have to tell myself that. Is not to, uh, and, and also to when I step in that room to go, I'm not thinking about whatever it is I've just been on the phone about or whatever that gig is that we're trying to do. Um, I really hope that you continue to do lots of other acting work and I hope I get to do more with you, but I hope we all get to see more of you because I think you're a great actor. And I, I, I think, I think, I also think one thing feeds the other. Oh, I think it's really, absolutely, yeah. it has to, they're not, they're not separate things. It's still performance. It's still, yeah. 
you in front of an audience. I mean, yeah, no, I totally agree that they inform each other and can like teach you things about, um, yeah, like let's face it, plays are pretty experimental, like more than some stuff that we see as experimental, like standing on a stage and pretending to be someone else and pretending not to see yeah. anyone else in the room i.e. the audience i'm sorry but that's really weird <laughs> that's like the most yeah. weird i i totally agree and some forms of theater i remember a, a brilliant designer julian crouch who was part of improbable i remember meeting him before he was do, directing cinderella a pan, improvised pantomime by the lyric and he said to me i thought it was really interesting he said if pantomime didn't exist at all and someone today invented pantomime it would be on somewhere like the ica it would be a really experimental form. <laughs> Whereas we all sit there and we, we sing songs and we throw sweets at the audience. And he, and I thought, that's it. You're absolutely right. It's that really so true. Quite that so good. wild, you know, yeah. as a form. Uh, Lucy, we could, we could chat forever, but we will carry on chatting. It's been so lovely and it's been so great to talk about. It doesn't always happen, but it's you've been so generous talking about your process and sharing really honestly about how you make things because you're, you know, you're, people who know your work or don't know your work as a result come to it. Um, uh, we're going to finish off before we do what we need to do. I always finish by asking my guests seven rapid questions and you just uh, respond with the first thing that comes into your head. You, you've got a choice, so don't worry. It's not complicated. Joan of Arc or Emily Pankhurst? <laughs> Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. Watch, watching or performing? Uh, performing. You would say Hate that. watching. Um, this might be my next question. I think I'm meaning these. This question is to do with what you'd like to use in a show, or in some shape or form. Coleslaw or hummus? Well, coleslaw because I've already done hummus. <laughs> I will survive, or I am what I am. I will survive. Uh, ca canal boat or top of a tower block? Top of a tower block. The Exorcist or Frankenstein? Exorcist, definitely. Sounds like one of your favourite films when you said that. Maybe you should do something with that. Um, recognition or controversy? <laughs> recognition. <Either. laughs> Lucy, it's been really lovely. Thank you so much. You've been a brilliant guest. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Paul. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed this idiot podcast, please spread the word.